Welcome to our back porch. Thank you so much for joining us here today. If you happen to be listening to Prayer from the Back Porch on podcast, would you go ahead right now and subscribe to that podcast? That would be great also. So thank you so much for helping us in those ways. We want to connect with you. We say it every week, but we really do want to pray with you and pray for you. So you can email us at freedomprayer at magnoliasfirst.org to leave your prayer requests, but also to have conversations with us about our sessions or ask any questions that you have. You can also use that email to schedule a time for us to meet with you and to pray with you individually. Our calling is Freedom Prayer. And for some of you watching and listening, you might not quite understand what that means. But the essence of Freedom Prayer is to facilitate the presence of Jesus into those specific places of damage and wounding in our lives. Mm -hmm. It is based on a biblical model that gives the Holy Spirit room to address fear, anxiety, inner hurts and wounds, as well as to identify and break strongholds and bring healing and freedom to the heart and soul. And Isaiah 63 verses one through three is a great summary of what freedom prayer is. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the Lord's favor on those who grieve and to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning and festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Amen. And finally, we are excited to announce that we now have a Freedom Prayer Facebook page. You can search for M1 Freedom Prayer to find our page and you can visit our page to get resources or just to engage in the community with other people who want to dig deeper in their prayer lives or want to find uh, freedom and healing through prayer. So we are, the, we are now there. We hope you come and search for us and find us. We're very excited about that. So please let us know that you're there. It is November. Can you believe that? And we are excited to share with you over the next few weeks some encouraging truths from the book of Philippians. So uh, we pray that over these next few weeks that that will be a motivation for all of us, not just for you, for you, but for all of us that as Christ followers, others will see the light of Jesus in us because of our attitude of joy and thankfulness. And so that's our prayer over the month of November. Would you join me as we pray? Oh, Lord God, today we want to begin by entering into your presence with thanksgiving and praise. We give thanks to you, Father, and we praise your name, the name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus. And it is in that name that we pray today. Amen. Yeah. Well, Philippians 1 verses 1 and 2 begin with Paul's greeting to his friends and co-workers at the church in Philippi. And then in verse 3, he says, every time I think of you, I thank my God. When we read this verse, we see that giving thanks is the first thing that Paul does. And then he begins his, he begins his letter and he gives thanks every time he thinks of them. So not only is thankfulness a priority to Paul, but he found that it was necessary to repeat it often. 
In other words, the more we say it, the more we'll feel it, and the more we'll find ourselves truly living in an attitude of thankfulness. And verses four and five go on to say, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Don't you think that one of the best compliments someone could give you would be to say, I thank God for you, and every time I think of you, I pray for you. And when I do, it brings joy to my heart and a smile to my face. I know if someone said that to me, I would definitely feel loved and treasured. In verse 6, Paul continues with words of encouragement to the Philippians. He says, And I am confident that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul is writing to a group of Christ followers who had partnered with him in spreading the gospel all throughout uh, the region of Philippi. And there he was arrested, beaten, and imprisoned. And then when he was released, he left them. So he was writing to them, encouraging them that, um, that they should continue on in the mission that they were doing, never forgetting that God would complete what he began in them and through them. And the word confident is such an empowering word. It automatically makes us feel strong and capable. Can you recall a time when someone told you that they had confidence in you? I know that I can. And that word just sinks so deeply into our hearts and our minds. And it helps us to chase away that doubt and fear that we, we feel often. So Paul chose this word to speak a powerful affirmation to the Philippians who are working to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to also speak confidence over people in our lives and to encourage them in different ways. Uh, maybe when they have encountered something difficult or disappointment or failures in their own spir spiritual journeys, or maybe someone who has experienced uh, burnout and just is need in need of affirming in their calling and what they're doing and who Christ has called them to be, or maybe a fellow Christ follower who is seeking God for direction in their lives. So many different areas that we can encourage people with confidence. So let's pray now that the Lord will help us to do that. God, we thank you for giving us friends and families and partners in the work and the mission that you have called us to. God, may we be intentional in, in expressing our thankfulness in those who are working alongside us, Lord, that we can encourage them to be confident, that we can encourage them with our confidence in them and who they are and who you are in their lives. God, may we speak words of confidence and purpose over someone who is struggling with fear and doubt. Use us, Lord, to reveal your love to the world around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a couple of challenges for you this week. Number one is to write a card, send a text, or make a phone call to someone letting them know that you are thankful for them and why you are thankful for them. The second one is to pray for someone whose name the Holy Spirit leaves on your heart and then let them know that you prayed for them. And then the third one is to watch for ways that the Lord wants to use you to speak encouraging words of confidence over someone who needs to hear it. Good challenges. Uh, we're going to start back at verse 7 and hear what Paul has to say as he is continuing his letter to the Philippians. He says, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. 
you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And Paul had a very special love for the Philippians. They were a core part of his mission team. And they, in turn, felt a special love for Paul because it was Paul who first introduced them to Jesus. And when I read this earlier today, I thought to myself, who introduced you to Jesus? Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a friend. And it would be so encouraging to those people who introduced you to Jesus if you sent them a note just thanking them for introducing you to Jesus and for the connection that forms between the two of you. Just another chat, little challenge for you. Paul is also writing to the church at Philippi from a Roman prison. And by the time he's writing this letter, this church in Philippi is thriving. And so Paul is writing to them, expressing joy and pride just at how proud he was of them for their continuing growth in their spiritual walk with the Lord, but also in their efforts to spread the gospel of Jesus. And then as we get to verses 9 through 11, Paul prays for his friends in Philippi. And so what I'd like to do today is just, if you would allow me, I just want to pray that, that scripture passage over you. So would you join me as we pray? My prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others. And at the same time, keep on growing in spiritual knowledge and insight. For I want you to always see clearly the difference between right and wrong. And to be inwardly clean so that no one can criticize you from now until our Lord Jesus returns. I pray that you will always be doing those good and kind things that show that you are a child of God. For this will bring much praise and glory to the Lord. In his name we pray these things. Amen. It's also helpful for us to know, as Tanya has always already referred to, all that had happened to Paul since he left Philippi. As she said earlier, he was captured and jailed. He was then shipwrecked, and then he was imprisoned in Rome and is now awaiting trial. And all of this happened simply because he is preaching Jesus. He is shedding, sharing the gospel of Christ around the world. And Paul doesn't seem terribly troubled by all of this. Um, he just is rolling with it. So we go back to verse 12 and hear what he has to say. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Paul is speaking with an attitude of thankfulness. But we might read those passages and think, how can he be thankful? He is in prison. Well, the answer to that is because Paul is seeing how God is using his circumstances to spread the gospel. And what matters most to Paul is Jesus and telling his story and helping people to come to know him. And he says in that passage, everything that has happened to me, 
has helped to spread the good news. Then in verse 13, he says, For everyone here in prison, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, the, the believers there in Rome, have gained confidence and are now boldly speaking God's message without fear. So Paul is basically saying, my chains have become an opportunity to share Christ. And to share Christ with the four guards that are attached to him in chains, protecting him and guarding him 24-7, he's sharing. Can you imagine that he was preaching the whole time? Can you imagine that? Paul's attitude was also instilling confidence and encouragement to those Christ followers in Rome who had also suffered persecution. And then Paul says, I will continue to rejoice. As we just said, all that he had been through, now he's in a Roman prison. He's in chains, guarded by Roman guards. And he is choosing joy. Nothing about his circumstances are screaming joy. But he is choosing to be joyful because of the knowledge of what is happening. Through his circumstances, how God is using that brings him joy. In verse 19, he says, For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Deliverance is defined as rescuing from troubles. And so Paul is declaring he will make it out. He believes that. Now, what he doesn't know is whether he will live or die. But deliverance was sure. He was confident of that. And here in the midst of Paul's wondering just how all of this will work out, he makes one incredible statement in verse 21 of chapter 1 of Philippians. He says, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. That one verse is so simple, yet so profound. It's a massive statement about the meaning of life and the meaning of death. Mm -hmm. What it says is simple. If they let me go, I go and I live for Jesus. But if they kill me, I go to Jesus. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Whatever happens, they're both good. Mm -hmm. I can't lose. So for Paul, Christ is his life, whether he lived or whether he died. Then in verse 25, Paul says, Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. In 26, and when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ because of what he is doing through me. Though Paul confesses death would be better for him because he would then be with Christ, he tells the Philippians that his purpose in living would be to encourage and to support them and more importantly, that his testament would be a reason for them to celebrate Jesus. Like Paul's affirmation to continue to give of himself to the Philippian church, would you be willing to give of yourself no matter your circumstances so that others would know, celebrate, and find confidence in Jesus? Mm -hmm. Would you commit to look for opportunities to share with others the joy that you have in Jesus? And then like Paul, can you come to that place in your walk with God where you are thankful 
in living or in dying. So we have woven Paul's conclusion of this chapter into our closing prayer. We're going to pray it with you now. Lord Jesus, you have given us so much. We are so thankful. We desire to be your vessels that you could use to continue to spread the gospel both near and far. Holy Spirit, we ask for your leading today that we would not miss any opportunity to reveal Jesus to the people around us. We depend on our union with Christ and his power to help us to live in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. May we choose to find joy and thankfulness in you despite the struggles, hardships, illnesses, or other difficulties that we're facing. Help us to unite together as the body of Christ, standing together with one spirit, one purpose, mm -hmm. fighting together for the faith, which is the gospel. Our prayers that you would be seen and glorified as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And in that powerful name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we can all admit that 2020 has not turned out to be what we would have hoped it would be. And the idea of giving thanks right now might feel a little foreign to you. The heaviness of 2020 has actually obscured for so many of, of us blessings that are right in front of our face just because of the heaviness of all that has taken place. Hear this quote from Ann Voskamp, who wrote the book, 1,000 Gifts. She said, gratefulness isn't hard. Forgetting to be grateful is what makes life hard. So keep your eyes open to the gifts all around you so that you might get to open those gifts if you would just pay attention. So 2020 isn't over yet. There is still time to pursue joy and to live out thankfulness, to, to actually flesh out thankfulness in each day that is left in 2020. So we're going to encourage you. We've been full of challenges today. We're going to encourage you to find a notebook or paper and pen and begin to count your blessings, to write them down for the next 63 days. That's how many... How many days left until the end of this year? And number them, or as the hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one. But I think even a more important phrase in that song is count your blessings and see what God has done. So we are amazed when we stop and we take a minute and we look. And we can actually see things that we can be thankful for, gifts that God has laid before us. But they have been covered by our grumbling, our sadness, our grieving, the heaviness, so much in 2020. So we want to help you get started. Each week we're going to share with you a couple of things that we have found to be thankful for. Uh, in the week that that is ahead. So uh, today we want to share from what our past week has meant to us. So I am thankful for a smooth, a smooth surgery for my mother-in-law and she is now recovering at home. That was kind of a big deal. And then the other thing I'm thankful for 
is just to have a home and a family of my own. This week I was trying out a new cleaning routine and I just was reminded how, how I had longed to have a family to take care of. And so God provided that and I was thankful even in cleaning. <laughs> I love that. So we've spent a few days at the beach in the past week. Um, that is my happy place. And I can tell you there's so many ways that uh, you can look around and see the majesty of God. But I thanked God for several days where the sky was just so blue you could hardly stand it. It's just such a picture of God. And then there were some bright orange and pink sunsets that just declared the majesty of God. It's just amazing. You just, you just could not take your eyes off of it. And when you know the Lord, those things become sweet gifts. They were such sweet gifts to us. So we pray that you can look for those ways. Um, sometimes just sitting on my back porch, I'm thankful for the birds. And we just had a bird sing on cue as I said that. I'm thankful for just watching the birds and thanking God for nature. And so there are big things like Tanya's mother-in-law mm -hmm. who's just had surgery. And then there are those small things like watching the birds mm -hmm. fight over the bird feeders. Uh, there are ways in which we can find gifts. So my challenge to you is 56 days. If you will just write down a couple of those gifts each day you'll have well over a hundred gifts. And just as the song said, count your many blessings and see what God has done. If we don't count them, sometimes we miss them. We miss the gifts that are right in front of us. So we pray that over you this week. We pray that you have a blessed and a joy-filled week. Thank you for joining us.